everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. This is a special edition of our podcast. This episode, we are bringing you information on the ISU in their statement released today, which is January 30th, in response to the Court of Arbitration of Sport decision that Camilla Valieva be banned for four years as of December 25th, 2021, which was the day of her positive test. Gina and I are joined by Melanie Haney, who is a photographer and journalist from IceDance.com, as well as Matteo Morelli, who is a journalist for IceDance.com. We are all in the media world, and today we're just going to do this episode. There's nothing planned. We have no doc. We're just talking about this decision that has come out. Yeah, it's been an interesting 48 hours for sure, and we felt like we really needed to come on and talk about it and talk about it with our friends who are in the media, one who was even there in Beijing, uh, Melanie, who was waiting for that medal ceremony to happen, just like everybody else, but she was actually there waiting to photograph it. Um, So we thought, yeah, we'd come on and just chat and catch everybody up on what has been going on in case you haven't been following it over these past two days. So Mel, before we get started, can you let us know or remind us what it was like the day that the medal ceremony was supposed to happen? Oh, it was very strange. Um, I believe, now I can't remember if it was, it might have been the, the same night as the team event, um, because the team event finished in the morning, I think. Um, and we got, I was with Danielle Earl and we got to the medals plaza, which, um, was very close to the main press center, but we still had to take a bus because we had to take buses everywhere (laughs) because of the bubble. Um, so we got off the bus at the Metals Plaza, and that it was our first time uh, going to that Metals Plaza. Danielle had been to a previous games, so she kind of had an idea of how things were supposed to go. Um, and there's typically uh, almost like a start list of medal ceremonies and what time each one is supposed to be at and the figure skating medals were toward the end, I believe. And so we got there early because it was the first one. We didn't know exactly what the setup would be like. And we wanted to make sure we got a good spot. Honestly, Um, I was doing some freelance work for us figure skating. So I was excited about uh, photographing the medalists. And at the time there was nothing Nothing to indicate anything was wrong. Um, I think later we found out that even if the medal ceremony had happened that night, Vincent would have would not have been able to participate because he was already he had already been quarantined like immediately after uh, the venue ceremony. But we didn't we didn't know that at the time either. I don't think, and um, we kind of went to where we were directed there was a small 
area where they invited some uh, local fans to cheer and provide atmosphere because otherwise it would have been a very a very sad Meadows Plaza but uh you know they were they were kind of partitioned off and it was all outdoors and everyone had to wear masks anyway of course so um so we're we're directed around this area with risers and the there were tv cameras mounted uh at different positions on the risers and then there were several rows that were open for photographers and it was first come first served and so once we got there m- many of the spots were already taken many of the good spots in the middle because some media outlets have people that c- that their only job is to photograph the medals so they just camp out there <laughs> and make sure they get the best spots um so we were we were there we were I vaguely think I might have been unpacking my gear I might have brought my camera bag to the um to the plaza not realizing there wasn't going to be anywhere to put it really (laughs) and because I remember being like bent over my camera bag putting stuff together when a woman approached us and I don't I don't know who she was or how she knew that we were there for the skating medal ceremony. Maybe she recognized us from uh, the venue. She was, I think, a media volunteer or maybe someone on staff with media. I don't know. And uh, she just came up to us and said, you're here for the figure skating medals. They're canceled. And we were confused and asked her to clarify and she said they they just told me they're not happening tonight and she either she didn't have any other information or she wasn't allowed to offer any other information but she she made it seem like it was a normal thing and this was my first olympics and my first medals plaza experience and i was just like okay they're canceled that's weird and kind of annoying that we had made the effort to go and now we had to go and wait for a bus to get back to the main press center and then take another bus back to our hotel. And so it's kind of disappointing. And it was cold. And although not as cold as the ice dance medals a week later. And somehow we kind of either this woman kind of indicated that it had something to do with scheduling. And it occurred to us that the men had a very early practice the next morning so we thought that that maybe the the skaters didn't want to have a late night medal ceremony. Maybe there was another night that would be better where no one had an early practice the next morning. And so I remember not being completely confident that that was the reason. But for some reason, I thought that might be the reason. And then I don't know if it was I think it was two days later before we really found out that anything had had happened. I think the next night, I can't remember if we went back to the Metals Plaza again and we found out they were canceled again or if we if we were able to access like the start order for the medals and saw that they weren't scheduled. I can't I can't remember. But um I do remember being in the main press center which is um 
huge room, like a big, think a giant room in a conference center. Um, and they have tables set up with little cubicles where people can work. And Danielle and I would often uh, go to skating in the morning when, when skating happened in the morning and then kind of wait for the buses to clear out a little bit, work from the rink for a little bit. But the workroom at the rink was not heated. It was very cold. It was actually colder in the ice rink or it was, sorry, it was warmer in the ice rink than it was in the workroom at the ice arena. So uh, we would work until it kind of, things kind of calmed down and we were too cold to deal with it anymore. And then we would go back to the main press center and work. And so we would generally get there in mid afternoon, I think. And it was sometimes hard to find space to work because a lot of people were there working for most of the day. And so more than once we ended up right next to this group from inside the games and they were very loud and they were always talking about something and they were very animated. And the reason why they were open seats next to them was because no one was wanted to sit next to them and try to get any work done. So we heard them, we heard them talking about this big story, but because they were loud and we were trying to ignore them, <laughs> I don't think we took it seriously. And uh, they also, they weren't discussing any of the specifics loudly. Um, and then the next day, they, I mean, they were the ones that broke the story. I was, I was like, wow, we should have listened to the gossip a little faster. Maybe would have, we would have found out a day earlier than anyone else. But um, yeah, it was, the whole thing was, was very strange. Like they were trying to keep it quiet I think because she was a protected person right then then when it did come out that there was a positive doping test they didn't want to say who it was um for a few days too so I do um you know it was it was uncharted territory right there there have been a lot of positive doping tests over the years but I can't remember another one at least not a high profile one of someone who was under 16 at an Olympics. That is true. Now, Mateo, I know you have kind of a timeline of how this all unfolded. Can you take us through the timeline to get us to this point? Yeah, and I'm going to link in with a few points that Mel already mentioned in her story, which is very interesting. But basically, so to start in December 2021, we had Russian nationals and the anti-doping sample of Camila Valieva was taken at that event where she ended up becoming the Russian national champion. And he was sent to a um, WADA-accredited lab in Sweden. Then the next January, so it's January 2022, before the Olympic Games, she uh, competes at European Championships in Tallinn, Estonia, becoming the European champion. And then eventually the European the, uh, Olympic Games starts. So as Benani was saying, 6th, 7th, 8th of February, that's when the team events uh, took place. The ceremony toward the medals got um, postponed at that stage because there, were, uh, there was a situation that I had to deal with urgently. And of course, we didn't know back then what the situation was, which was the sample of Valieva coming back positive and Rusada so the Russian anti-doping agency initially um, 
applying a provisional suspension to Camila Valieva. Now the next day, so on February the 9th, they decide to lift the suspension. And on the 11th, the ISU appeals to CAS to reinstate, reinstate the provisional suspension. However, CAS uh, has a hearing a couple of days later and they decide, as we were saying before, because of the fact that Valieva was a protected person, meaning a minor of age, they were um, in agreement to keep things as they were, meaning Valieva could compete in the individual women event, which is exactly what ended up, what happened at the end. So she was first in the short program, but then she couldn't perform as well as she wanted in the free program. She ended up fifth in the three and fourth overall, so out of the podium. And um, and from then on, uh, it, it was right before the individual events that the news were starting to circulate and they became public knowledge to, to the world. Uh, so supposedly Valiev at that stage had a lot of pressure and maybe one could suppose that that's the reason why she um, didn't perform as she would have wanted to in the individual event. But um, from then on, there was a sequence of different investigations and appeals happening in the last two years. We got to remember that next week is going to be two years from the team events. So a lot of time has passed in between. So in September 2022, the Rusad investigation was completed. In January 2023, the Rosada Disciplinary Tribunal found Camila Valieva uh, to have no fault for the positive doping test. So the only sanction that they um, identified at that stage was a disqualification of her national title won in December 2021, uh, because that was the day of the test that was under investigation. However, there were further appeals by Rosada, by the ISU, by WADA, and eventually, the September hearing is, uh, in um, uh, last year was started to culminate in November to the completion of the hearing and the announcement made in January. As, as we know, a couple of days ago, we found out that Valieva has been found uh, guilty and, and positive um, uh, for the, the doping test was uh, sampled in 2021, and therefore, she was banned um, for four years from that day, so from the 25th of December 2021, and the disqualified from the event following that date. Now, it's very interesting because the, um, uh, the CAS release also appeals something that comes from the Russian anti-doping rules. So they're not just saying something that is based on international rules. They're also looking at what the Russian rules are mentioning. And... In the anti-doping Russian rules, they're saying that if a protected person fails to discharge the burden, that he or she did not commit um, anti-doping rule violation intentionally, there is no basis under the rules to treat them any differently from an adult athlete. So probably that led to cast leading to uh, the decision of coming up with the sanctions that Valieva was um, uh, left with. Yeah, because it is... It is quite harsh, um, given that she she was quite young, and I think most people assume that she did not act alone in doping. And so it is it is a quite a harsh suspension. 
uh, you know, four, four years is usually the maximum that we see on most uh, doping cases like this. I feel, I feel like four years is, is pretty standard if you, if they determined that you were doing it intentionally, you know, um, you might get, you might get one year or two years if it was uh, for like missing tests or things like that but four years is usually pretty standard. And so, um, so that's interesting that essentially she, she didn't accept responsibility, but she also didn't, she didn't uh, point to anyone else. Right. Is what you're saying? Yeah. So the drug in question is trimetazidine, which is a drug that is used to treat angina which is a heart condition, but it's banned for athletes. I mean, there have been numerous articles out there about exactly how it could help an athlete, and it has to do with oxygen and recovery, Um, but it is banned for athletes. Athletes involved in waiting for their medals have been interviewed over the last two years, you know, about how painstaking this has been. Uh, for them because they were robbed of a moment that they cannot get back. And as much as we like to think we can create this happy um, ceremony for them or recreate something for them, it's never going to be what it was supposed to be in the first place. It's just going to be whatever we can do. And beyond the like sentimentality of creating a moment, which which is nice, of course, it's yeah. also... I mean, there are real financial ramifications for not for not being named an Olympic champion in the first place, right? Yes. Like they skating is so expensive, and there are so few there are so few athletes that have the opportunity to even recoup their investment as far as what they've invested in training. Right. So, um, but in general, in the U S winning a gold medal as a figure skater at the Olympics is a big deal. You can generally ride the wave for at least a little bit, sometimes longer if you're savvy about it and you, and it's what you want to do. Um, and so with the exception of Nathan, who, you know, won another gold medal, um, none of them, none of them got to enjoy those benefits. Yeah, it goes so much deeper than just the medal itself. It goes to the title and those opportunities that could have come about from being able to claim that you're an Olympic champion. And and as you said, other than Nathan, none of the others. I mean, Madison Hubble, Zachary Donahue did win a bronze medal in the ice dance event. But none of the others on that are part of the team event did go on to win a medal. Vincent, of course, did not even get the opportunity because of um, testing positive for COVID. Yeah, and that was the whole the 
The reason I thought the medal ceremony was postponed was because, oh, they were going to wait for Vincent to get out of quarantine so he could get his medal. Little did I know that it was going to be what it was and that it'd be now two years that we're still talking about this and still with athletes that don't have their medals, though we are closer. I mean, these decisions, the decision yesterday and then the decision today by the ISU is getting us closer to that. Um, And hopefully the U.S. Team USA will have their gold medal soon, as well as Team Japan. Of course, now we've kind of... The ISU's decision has now kind of given us another thing that everyone's kind of talking about because the Russian Olympic Committee has is being awarded the bronze medal and based on what the ISU released today. Um, and many are and many believe it should be Skate Canada that should be or you know, Team Canada that should be taking the bronze. Um, I don't know if, if you guys all have looked at the statement today from the ISU and, and all of that in the points and actually like the breakdown of the points and what you thought regarding, um, you know, the bronze medal, um, being awarded, I guess, to the Russian Olympic committee. Uh, Basically the logic that was applied was Camila Valieva is disqualified, but it stops there. It doesn't move the other women skaters up by one position, meaning that they get more points. So in theory now, whoever was behind Valieva in the in the, in the team women's event is the winner of that event. But that doesn't translate into going from nine to 10 points. And the argument from the uh, Canadian Skating Federation is that if that is to be applied, then Canada will get enough points to, to win the bronze medal. And um, they filed an appeal. They, they want to, to get that because they don't think that that's a fair treatment in, a, in, a, in regards to the Canadian Federation. Uh, now, I was doing a bit of reading. So the ISU has an anti-doping rules um, regulation, which was adopted in August 2020 and effective from January 2021. And they quote in their decision, Article 10.10, which is saying, you know, disqualification of a resulting competition subsequent to sample collection or commission of anti-doping rule violation. And they explain exactly what happened with Valieva, which is disqualification of the events that she competed and won medals at and um, all the relative um, um, relevant actions that will be taken from that. They also have a an article 11.2, which is consequences for teams. Now, I'm not an ISU, uh, and I'm not inside the ISU, I'm not a lawyer, but what I read there is that they say that if something happened in connection with an in-competition test, then the entire team can be disqualified. So we exclude this option because the test was from the Nationals the year before, and um, calendar year, not season year. The second clause of that article is saying if something occurs during or in connection with an event, then the entire team can be disqualified. And as we know, the doping test did not um, uh, happen during the event. Now, I don't know whether we can go as far as in connection with meaning. <laughs> and I was trying to think, could somebody argue that 
winning nationals in the December 2021 led to Valieva going to Europeans, becoming European champions, and then therefore the Russian Federation appointing her as part of the uh, national team to go to the Olympic Games or, you know, as a Russian Olympic Committee representative. Would that be a in connection with events that the Canadian Federation could appeal to? We're not sure yet, but I wonder whether, you know, the way I'm reading the ISU decision is they applied these rules that they currently have in place. And whether we agree or not, it seems to be going by what they're saying in their book of rules and uh, in relation to that. I think what Canada is, um, what they specifically referenced in their statement, though, is about the placements not being moved up. Like the, the, is that there is, there's a written rule in the ISU code that says if someone is disqualified, then everyone below them moves up a placement, which they have applied to the European championships. Like they've, Mm -hmm. they've they've already done that. And, um, the so they've uh you know they they're it seems like i it seems like that to skate canada and also to me that they're applying their rules inconsistently and also there were two athletes that were um unable to participate in the team event at at the same olympics due to positive covid tests right they weren't disqualified later but um in the men's event and in the pairs event there were only nine entries instead of um 10 and they the the first place winner still got 10 points in the short program um the points went from 10 to 2 and the the one point spot was left vacant not the 10 point spot so it does seem like those two things are both inconsistent in the way that they have applied the rules yes and i think that is what's causing a lot of the social media uproar today is the inconsistency between the two it's interesting to follow what they have written as mateo has described but then they applied it differently to realign the placements from europeans so it is hard to try to understand and there wasn't a clear communication about why they would do apply it one way for one thing and then another way for something else and they're apparently not responding to emails asking for clarification either which is i mean it's it's irritating and funny that we knew several days ago, what, four or five days ago, that the announcement was coming yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. And clearly, U.S. figure skating had a statement ready, like, I don't know, within five minutes after the announcement came. Like, they, they it was obviously pre, pre-written. I'm sure they had several different statements pre-written and cleared with their lawyer based on the based on different outcomes you know they were prepared i feel like skate canada probably did too but they waited until probably to see what the if the isu was going to say anything right because they but 
once it became clear that nothing was happening, they came out with a statement pretty quickly too. And given what just happened a couple of weeks ago, where it took them a while to come out with a statement about another matter, like I, I feel like they were ready too. So why wasn't the ISU ready with yeah. different thinking, scenarios? And and I'm thinking, yeah, that's yeah. exactly the point that I want to refer to. So this has been going on for two years, but surely you know which scenarios could take place. And I suppose. Yeah, as you had looked at all different scenarios, Valieva uh, not disqualified, Valieva disqualified, impacts on the team. So surely what we see as their statement is something that they've thought about and worked on before. So is the question that we all want to get answered now a mistake from the ISU or a decision? And will the ISU share why they studied that way? And will be will they be able to justify that as well? Yeah, I know. I was disappointed yesterday when it came out with this very little short statement that they had, and I was like, "Well, how come you couldn't give us the decision on the medals then? Like, really, yeah. this has been going on for two years. You again, as Mel said, you had every scenario planned. You you know, we've all tossed around what the different scenarios could be, like the different outcomes, how. You know, the U.S. could, I mean, they could award them the gold medal. They could leave it vacant like the 1994 U.S. title. Um, the Russian Olympic Committee, the the athletes could be off the podium. They could be on the podium. It, there were a bunch of different mm -hmm. scenarios that we've all been talking about. We've had two years to talk about different scenarios. Yeah. And the ISU decided to add an additional day onto the matter. Um, one question I had, and it's not regarding the team event. I know we mentioned the Europeans that they, you know, um, Anna Sherbakova was, is awarding the gold and that Trusova is silver. And then Luna Hendricks is bronze. What are they doing with the individual event? I know it's not, she didn't medal, but it, are, is everyone moving up a placement there? There's been no discussion on that. I know it doesn't, like, it's because she didn't medal, it's not as big of a deal. But I'm wondering, you know, if right. you finished in sixth place, wouldn't you want to be top fifth five, yeah. place? Or, yeah, top, you know, I just, I was wondering, Dave. It may also have some implications with, um, I'm, I'm not saying this for sure, but an example that some people have given over the past couple of years for why the German Federation has had such funding problems is that they, in order to get the same level of funding that they had received before, they needed an eighth place finish at the last Olympics. And they didn't finish eighth mm -hmm. in any event, including the team event. They were ninth um, because their pair team was unable to compete. So they yeah. if they get to move up to eighth, like if if they had disqualified Russia completely, then that would have I don't I don't know, would the would the German Federation have gotten their funding back? <laughs> I don't know. They didn't disqualify Russia, so it turns out to not be a scenario. But again, that's a scenario that people have been discussing in the past two years. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the fans have covered all of them. <laughs> <laughs> there are fans out there that are very passionate about this issue. I've read so many theories that I can't. <laughs> There's so much spinning in my head from this. 
So Russia released a statement today, the Russian Olympic Committee, and this is what it says now. This is through a translation program online. It says the Russian Olympic Committee will definitely appeal to CAS, the ISU decision to redistribute the final places in the team figure skating tournament, the 2022 Olympic Winter Games in Beijing. Our lawyers have already begun preparing the necessary documents for filing an appeal. We proceed from the fact that, in accordance with the current applicable ISU rules, the consequences of a decision on sanctions against an individual athlete, in this case, Camilla Valieva, cannot be a basis for reviewing the results of a team tournament. Our legal position is based, among other things, on existing precedents in CAS practice. Um, I found that statement to be a bit interesting because... In the past, if an athlete in other sports was found um, to have tested positive for a banned substance, the entire team was stripped of their medal completely. Yeah, we've seen it multiple times in uh, track. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting that they would come out and say that because as Mateo has pointed out, it is in their documentation, the ISU's documentation, that it be handled the way that they've handled it. So I don't, I'm not sure about the confusion, like why they feel that this, uh, that they've been done an injustice. Um, because they're still, as of right now, they're still going to get a medal and in many cases, they would have been stripped of the medal completely and taken off the table. There's also the case of the uh, Chinese gymnastics team from the 2000 mm -hmm. Olympics. One of the athletes competed with a falsified passport, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And they, I don't remember what the age limit was at the time, but they said she was 15 when she was really 14 or something like that. She was too young to compete. And the only reason it was ever discovered was because I think she was volunteering or on staff at an Olympics later, maybe the 2008 Beijing Olympics or something like that. And she used her real passport <laughs> and the identity document didn't match. So what, it didn't match what was already on file, I think, is uh, was the story of how that came about. And their entire team also lost their medals. And um, the U.S. Yeah. gymnasts were elevated from fourth to bronze. And I think they awarded their medals at a ceremony at a... I don't know if it was a U.S. gymnastics championships or some some sort of event, I believe, like a some sort of gymnastics competition that took place in the U.S. They awarded the medals there. But yeah, and I believe there was some discussion. Gina was on a call today. That U.S. Olympic Committee call that Madison Chalk Evan Bates were also part of. Gina, what was said with regard to? the medal ceremony. Yeah, um I forgot who the journalist was that asked Madison and Evan how they would like to receive the medals. Um they asked them what would their dream be? Obviously 
they're not going to get the medal ceremony that they deserved back in Beijing. Um, but the, the response basically from them was they would like to have their medals um, in Paris um, at the 2024 Summer Olympics. Um, and they, they felt that that would, um, would be a true Olympic medal ceremony. But one thing interesting to note is, um, the U S Olympic and Paralympic committee, uh, chair, um, or CEO, I believe she said that it's not that they necessary that all three countries are there for a medal ceremony. So the U.S. can get their gold medal. Japan doesn't have to be there to get their silver. Um, and the Russian Olympic Committee does not have to, you know, be there for the bronze. So it is sounding like they are moving ahead right now, the U.S. Olympic Committee, with plans for the, just the U.S. to receive the gold medal. And they want to go through this quickly. Um, they're not going to wait for any appeal. They, the team USA has been given the gold medal and they're going to work on plans to award the U S with that gold medal. So will it be in Paris? Um, you know, some of us are wondering if that's the best place given that People like Melanie won't be there, um, who missed out on her opportunity to photograph an Olympic medal ceremony um, because only journalists and media that covered the summer games would be there. Now, a lot of journalists like Christine Brennan, um, you know, and like Nick McCarvel, they cover the Olympics Olympic sports in general. Um, so they most likely will be in Paris, but for, you know, media that is specific to figure skating, um, we're not going to be in Paris. So that's where a lot of us are kind of like, Oh, is Paris the best? But I think whatever they do, it should be what I think the athletes want, what kind of ceremony they feel they, they deserve. Um, but, you know, I, I know we threw out ideas of Montreal at Worlds, and I don't know if that will necessarily happen, especially if uh, Canada is not going to be awarded the bronze, which at this current moment, they're not. Um, so, yeah. I think if Canada had been awarded the bronze, they would have they would have made it happen for Montreal. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> and they would Definitely. have gotten everyone there. Yeah. I I just feel like that um you know, but but now, especially now, right? Because they I mean, they're yeah. still the hosts. If the mm-hmm. if the US can organize it by then and that's where they want to do it, I think Skate Canada would cooperate with them. But I don't think they would would be pushing to make it happen like yeah. they would have and if they were part of it too as has gone on it's been two years to go through this entire process right. madison hubble has grown an entire baby almost <laughs> <laughs> i mean by the time she gets the I... medal she can like drape it around a child that she had no idea would even exist when she won it so <laughs> um and everything has just taken so long these appeals are not going to be an overnight resolution this could go on and on and on and on and on 
Um, yeah, but I got the I got the feeling from this call today that they want to move fast with this. Um, yeah. And part of me is like, well, Paris is six months away. That's not really fast. But and then I'm like, to in order to plan something that is big and and what these athletes deserve, I guess six months is probably as quickly as you're going to be able to do something. Um, but yeah, and they're I, they're not waiting on these appeals. Like they made that very much known in this call today that they are moving forward. Team USA has the gold medal, and and they're going to give them that medal, and it's not going to be in a box. I definitely got that impression too. It's <laughs> not coming in a box either. I think if they get NBC involved. Um, they could plan some sort of like TV special to to do it, yeah. and they could they could make it happen pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think you know, fairness team USA will be the team that you can expect to push for this to happen because they've been consistent mm-hmm. consistently on the case for the last two years. Uh, they've done whatever they could have done internally, internationally. The athletes were engaged. They were on national TV in America to to show nationally what a disgrace was that they were going through they they had that photo that was going around of them holding the empty boxes without the medals so you can be guaranteed that team USA will definitely be on the case and will continue to be on the case to to get these done I mean that photo of them with the box with the empty boxes I'm sure that's something that most of them did not want to do at the time. (laughs) So I really have to commend whoever it was that pushed for them to take that group picture. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Speaking from experience as someone whose job it is to take group pictures of U.S. figure skating athletes, it is very difficult to get all of them together (laughs) at one time. (laughs) 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 I mean, I think it was like before the closing ceremony or something like that when they were all going to be in the same spot anyway. But um, but yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure that was I'm sure there were at least a few people in that group that just didn't that didn't want to think about it, didn't want to do it. But the fact that they have that visual and they've they've continued to post it like as different milestones pass, like. I think that was really good, really good strategy. Yeah, it's very, it's effective marketing. Yeah. And it has become and Maddie, a, it really does. Yeah. Maddie and Evan were on the call, did thank um, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee CEO, Sarah Hirschland, and as well as the U.S. figure skating CEO, um, Tracy Merrick, for really pushing this and continuing to fight for them. Um, so, yeah, I, for whoever again did that whole me- empty metal boxes and all the people behind the scenes that were involved with kind of keeping this at the forefront, you know, definitely um, deserve a lot of credit and praise, you know, because I think without those people really pushing for these athletes, not just Team USA, but also, you know, Japan. And I know there's there are committees there that have been pushing as well um maybe a little bit more we don't hear about it as much because we're here in the states but um definitely for keeping this going because we could have easily just said okay forgot about it i don't think we would have but um it's nice that there were a a, you know a team kind of behind the scenes pushing and fighting for this 
So we've talked a lot about the medals. We've talked about the doping, the accusations, the process, and now the result. But now I'm kind of thinking, where do we go from here? Because something that was in the statement from the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency CEO, Travis Tigard, who told USA Today Sports the following, it's the right outcome and let's hope the clean athletes who competed in the games can finally have some joy and satisfaction for their long wait for some justice despite their moment never being replaced. At the same time, our hearts hurt for yet another Russian athlete who the system failed. This one is a this one, a young 15-year-old girl. The system has to fix itself. And then following up with a statement by the World Anti-Doping Agency. This also came out yesterday. The use of doping against children is unforgivable. WADA calls on state authorities to consider adopting laws that would make doping against minors a criminal offense. I think we can't stop with looking at an athlete that is deemed guilty of doping. We're talking about a minor, we're talking about a 15-year-old, and we're talking about a system that needs to be addressed. Camilla Valieva has been found guilty and has now has a suspension, but I don't believe she was the only one involved. I think this, that's not how to say this. I'm not sure how to say it. Um, I think this issue goes beyond the athlete and her team and beyond needs to be investigated because this has been ongoing in Russia for years. There has been talk of this and it's time for it to be addressed. Um, They've tried different things, like you can't compete under your country's flag. Um, right now, they're not allowed in competition, at least in figure skating, due to the ongoing war in Ukraine. But even if at some point they're allowed back, this issue is still going to be there. And it needs to be addressed. And it needs to be addressed in an effective way. Yeah, I think... Um, I mean we haven't had that many instances of doping and figure skating over the years, not compared to other sports. So I think a lot of people, me included, had the mindset that doping didn't really exist in skating, that anytime there was some sort of violation, it was always someone who took the wrong cold medicine or someone who, um, you know, forgot to file a PUE for some sort of like legit medication. Um, and so I think it's, it's hard for a lot of older people in the sport to wrap their heads around the idea that someone has figured, figured this out. Someone has figured out how to use drugs effectively in skating. And, um, it's just 
also the nature of our sport that especially in the women's bench that young young athletes technically still children are often thrust into the spotlight at you know and they're they're vulnerable to a lot of things and i think it's hard for people to accept and admit that um that this this can happen and it has been happening for longer than we've known about it. I don't think that Believa was the first athlete that this has ever happened to. And I think we got to go back to the definition of a athlete of that age. When that came out, she was a protected person. And there's a reason for that. She's a minor of age and something is happening that is beyond what she can control or comprehend. And that's something that we got to remember. And I, I really like the fact that WADA was quite specific and open about the system has to change the surrounding, you know, doctors, coaches, support personnel around those athletes need to be um, also faced with whatever fault they have in a situation like this. In fact, they have a report which is called Operation uh, Refuge, which has been published and that analyzes um, the uh, doping amongst minors in sports and how they are impacted imp impacted by it, how families uh, are impacted. And they hope that with that report, there's going to be active change across the board, not just in skating, of course, but it it's something that we hope it's going to make a difference. Yeah, and then on the call today, um, they mentioned here in the U.S. Um, that we have passed laws um, not too long ago that provide for criminal offense for those who assist with doping at the elite levels. Um, and they were very much, um, the U.S. Olympic Committee was very much proud of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency and the work that they have done. And they mentioned the WADA statement and how, you know, WADA is hoping that, you know, other countries kind of take on like the same sort of thing here in the u.s that holds those you know um involved accountable as well um and i think that's what we you know a lot of people have been talking about on social media is you know she's 15 um that it should have there should be other people that you know should be held accountable accountable thank you um for uh, this as well. And I said it yesterday on the other podcast episode that, you know, anyone involved with her well-being as just a teenager and as an athlete should be, you know, um, held accountable because she's 15 and, you know, I think it should go parents, any guardians, anyone involved personally and as well as the coaches because, you know parents are involved as well it's not just you know the ones involved in her athletic training well i think this has been a really interesting discussion i'm sure this isn't the last time that we're going to be talking about this i did want to end with that um with our final discussion about the team and you know investigating beyond the athlete to find out, you know, the, the full story. Uh, Skate Japan News, though, just released a couple of statements 
that they translated from, I believe it's Sports Hachi. And the following statement was from Kerry Sakamoto. It was worth waiting two years. This is a really difficult issue, and I have a lot of things to think about, but I hope I can firmly prove that I am clean. I am happy for my individual bronze, but the team medal is something won by all of us, so I feel like I wish to get it as soon as possible. And then Wakaba Higuchi, who was also part of the silver medal team, says, My biggest wish is for a medal to arrive fast. I waited two years, so I'd be happy if it was decided soon. I don't have a medal in my hand, so I don't really feel it. It felt lonely coming back home as I couldn't bring my medal with me. Everyone wanted to see the medal, and I felt the same. Hopefully now that the decision has been made, both Japan and the U.S. can start putting things in place to be able to award the medals to the athletes. Yeah, uh Debney, let me. Can I just mention what how, what Maddie and Evan said to their statement? Because um, they were speaking on behalf of the other uh, athletes from Team USA. Madison said, "It's just a feeling I've always dreamed of, and one that I almost can't believe is here. I'm still wrapping my head around the reality of everything, and it's just been a very happy 24 hours of news for us." And then Evan said, "It's been." quite a surreal experience. It's been a long, almost two years now waiting for this decision to come through. We're pleased and we're here on behalf of the other seven skaters who we've bonded so tightly with through this experience. And so many people deserve thanks and recognition. Of course, the U.S. Olympic Paralympic Committee and Sarah, U.S. figure skating, and Tracy Merrick, who wasn't at the job yet in Beijing, but who stepped in right afterwards, and who has put every ounce of effort and dedication towards recognizing this accomplishment and making it come true. And we really, up until the night before, had no idea how this was going to turn out. And it has been an unbelievable 24 hours. Uh, Nathan Chen also was on CNN, and he said, this decision is certainly a win for clean sport. However, the fact that this happened at all is a win for no one. We competed clean for the entirety of our careers. Every substance that we put in our bodies is clear before we even consider actually taking them. Without clean sport, the integrity of the sport is diminished. Um, He also went on to say, I'm just so excited for this team. This team has shown so much dedication throughout their entire career, and I don't know any group of people that deserves this more. They all held themselves incredibly well through this time of indecision and represented themselves and the U.S. well. So, um, Gina, can you let folks know where they can find us? Well, you can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com on social media, including the site formerly known as Twitter at thiswkinskating, Facebook, Instagram, and threads. It's This Week in Skating. We love your feedback or your questions. We really would like to hear from you about this. We want to know what you're thinking about this whole situation. So let us know. You can let us know via social media or you can email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. If you're enjoying our episodes, you can also find us now on Patreon at patreon.com slash thisweekinskating. And I promise to get better at uploading those episodes that are ad-free. 
But that brings us to the end of our episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And I'm Matteo. And I'm Mel. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have an ice week! <laughs>